this episode of Sowing the Seed of the Kingdom, Sharon Herlow encourages us to set out on a journey through Lent to discover more of God and the promises he has made us. We've used the message version of the Bible for the readings from the Old Testament book of Genesis and Mark's Gospel. Now, there is no promise that says that the journey will be easy. We will encounter stony roads and rough seas ahead. But we can be sure that if we stay in port and we don't make the journey to know ourselves and God better, that we will not make any discovery at all. If we settle for what is, we will never know what could be. If we never seek and press into God, we will never know what God has in store for us. We will never discover more about who God is and what his purposes for us are. We will never discover what those marvellous and wondrous discoveries of God might be. The book of Genesis, chapter 9, verses 12 to 17. God continued, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living thing around you and everyone living after you. I'm putting my rainbow in the clouds, a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. From now on, when I form a cloud over the earth and the rainbow appears in the cloud, I'll remember my covenant between me and you and every living thing. But never again will floodwaters destroy all life. When the rainbow appears in the cloud, I'll see it and remember the eternal covenant between God and everything living, every last living creature on earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I've set up between me and everything living on the earth. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 9 to 18. At this time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. The moment he came out of the water, he saw the sky split open and God's Spirit, looking like a dove, come down on him. Along with the Spirit, a voice, You are my Son, chosen and marked by my love, pride of my life. At once, this same spirit pushed Jesus out into the wild. For forty wilderness days and nights, he was tested by Satan. Wild animals were his companions, and angels took care of him. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the message of God. Time's up. God's kingdom is here. Change your life and believe the message. Passing along the beach of Lake Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew net fishing. Fishing was their regular work. Jesus said to them, Come with me, I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women 
instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions, they dropped their nets and followed. Now, something had gone terribly wrong. In the first chapter of Genesis, we see God's creative activity. Starting with chaos, God creates order. God speaks and things appear. And after six days, God looks over his handiwork and he declares that everything was good. But by the sixth chapter of Genesis, just five pages into the Bible, the writer notes that the Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great, that their hearts were evil. We read that God was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And out of grief, the Lord moves in his creation. He did not reach out in angry judgment, but moved out of love to restore what he had made. God washed the earth clean and both God and the earth began again. God took what he had, flawed human beings, and gave them a new start. So we read about God sending a great flood and Noah embarking on a journey into the unknown. This is the first time in the Bible that we witness the lengths that God will go to, to save his creation. Noah had no knowledge of the sea. He had no science, no maps, no experience. All he had was a profound faith to guide him. Noah knew God. Noah loved God. And Noah trusted and obeyed God. Now, I don't know about you, but I cannot begin to imagine what Noah's journey in the ark was like. I can't believe that he didn't have doubts, anxieties, panics even. Noah and the members of his family must have lived a nightmare. The sense of the awesomeness of that experience would not have left them quickly when all around them there was evidence of the fearful destruction. But we are told that he remained faithful to the task God had given him. And to those who love and remain faithful, God makes amazing promises. Through his journeying, Noah discovered a God of love. A God who wanted a deep and lasting relationship. A covenant relationship. Because of his great love, God initiates a covenant never again to destroy the world by flood. 
Now, this is not a contract, an agreement made by two or more people, an agreement where one party can reconsider and a breach occurs. Now, this is a covenant made by one. This is an unconditional covenant. It does not depend on anything Noah or his descendants do to fulfill it. It is an everlasting covenant which cannot be changed. It is a covenant of love and grace, which says that even though God's heart was breaking because of sin, he looked down and acted out of love. God wants relationship with his creation. God wants to share and to spare life with all he has made. Despite the events and experiences of Noah though, humankind did not change, did not learn, did not turn from wickedness and did not embrace the loving God. We continually failed and still do to get the message. But God just cannot let us go. His love is too great, too great. And so what was God's solution? Jesus came. Now, have you ever really stopped to think about what it was that made it necessary for Jesus to come at all. He came because of our sin. He came because he loved us so much that he couldn't bear to leave us without a solution to a problem we could not solve. God created us to be in a loving relationship with him. God wants us to live for him and with him forever. But throughout history, from the apple in the Garden of Eden, humankind has gone its own way, refused to follow God's rules, always thinking itself above such things. And the result of that rebellion, that sin, is that we cannot go to where he is. As we stand on our own, we are unworthy. We are unable to enter his holy place, to be with God eternally. God could not look on any of us because we are stained by sin. And the relationship that is so precious to God is broken because we look away from him. There is separation. We have the same age old problem that the people of God had in the Old Testament. We can't fix it ourselves. So God, who showed his power in ancient times in pillars of fire and the parting of seas and the shaking of mountains, now showed us himself. Jesus came. Jesus came to do 
what we were incapable of doing for ourselves. To combat sin and to restore us to a loving God. God came down, took on human flesh as Jesus. He came with my sin on his mind and yours. With my name on his lips and yours. And a deep, deep love in his heart. He came so that he could die a sacrificial death for us. He came to pay the debt that we could not pay and give us a freedom that we could not earn. Jesus has bridged the gulf and made it possible for us to go to where God is if we put our trust and our faith in him. The whole reason for Jesus' journey to the cross was so that we could journey to heaven. And that is God's new covenant promise. Jesus is God's new covenant promise to us that whoever believes in him will never die. Jesus journeyed from heaven to earth, carrying the purposes of God. And he then traveled the lonely and agonizing road to the cross, carrying the sins of the world. Stephen Cottrell in one of his books says this, Jesus sees your life and deems it worth carrying. Jesus offers to carry it because he sees it as something precious, something that needs restoring, something which he knows is beautiful, something which can be given new life. So he carries you. What do you think kept Jesus strong enough to face such a difficult road? Let's think back to our gospel reading where we see Jesus starting out in his ministry. After his baptism, he is taken into the deserts, the wilderness. And this is a turning point in Jesus's ministry where he had to find out what he was for, what his purpose in life was. We see all the difficulties. Jesus goes to a desolate place. There is loneliness, isolation. We are told about wild beasts, which represent the threats, the evil and hostile forces that are at work in a broken world. And there he meets the greatest adversary of all. He meets Satan. And Satan tries for 40 days to bring Jesus down. But he fails. And why? Because Jesus was not alone. We are told that angels took care of him, an indication of God's presence and support. God always acting as a beacon, the light at the end of the tunnel, the destination, the hope 
at the end of a struggle. But more than that, while the wild beasts snile and Satan jeers, we can know that God is there with us, strengthening us. What a dynamic picture of the human Christian life. Like the floods of Noah, God washes us clean. God takes the old us and makes us something new. God brings us into new relationship with him. Order is created out of chaos and hope springs up from despair. And when troubles and temptations come, God provides all we need to overcome. In 1520, Ferdinand Magellan was exploring. Trade with Asia was important and new trade routes were being discovered. Ships had sailed eastwards from Europe around Africa before, but the route was hazardous. So Magellan set sail on a westward course, heading for South America. But could he connect with Asia going that way round? He had no idea. Unknown territory. But he found a passage. He found a narrow strait, which is now named after him. And after navigating the strait, he suddenly saw something amazing. He saw a huge ocean, an unknown ocean. He thought maybe it would take him a few days to cross it and he could reach China. But it took him four months. He discovered a new ocean, the Pacific. But more importantly, he discovered that the world was much bigger than anyone knew. Now, this is not a history lesson, nor a geography lesson. But it is a lesson in perseverance, blind faith and trust. Sailing into the unknown, wanting to seek, wanting to discover something new, something previously unknown. Maybe discovering that the spiritual world that will unfold before us is much bigger than we think or can imagine. We call this a Lenten journey. Biblically, it takes us from here to Easter when we celebrate a resurrection, a resurrection, a new life. But it is a personal journey of discovery, too. Lent is not or should not be just an exercise in giving something up. It is a time when we ask ourselves some important questions, as Jesus did in the wilderness. What am I for? What or who do I depend on? Where 
do I get my sense of identity? What purpose do I have? We should want to work at getting to know our amazing God better. Getting to know this Jesus who loves us so much that he died to give us access to the treasures of heaven. That is what Lent is all about. And surely the idea of any journey is that you end up in a different place to where you started. In this case, a different place spiritually. Lent is a time for reflection and prayer. It is a time for being real with ourselves, to really examine and to look at who we are and who we want to be in Christ. As we set sail into Lent this year, let us focus and set our course with the aim of moving our spiritual position. Let us ensure that even when it feels that we are not moving forward or achieving our goal of meeting with God in a new way, that we continue to sail on. Who knows? We may make an unexpected discovery about God that will change everything. God wants to reveal himself to us. And we find a promise in Jeremiah 33, verse 3, which says this. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you and even show you great and mighty things, things which have been confined and hidden, which you do not know and you do not understand and you cannot distinguish. Or the message version of that same verse says, call to me and I will answer you. I'll tell you marvellous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. Now, there is no promise that says that the journey will be easy. We will encounter stony roads and rough seas ahead. But we can be sure that if we stay in port and we don't make the journey to know ourselves and God better, that we will not make any discovery at all. If we settle for what is, we will never know what could be. If we never seek and press into God, we will never know what God has in store for us. We will never discover more about who God is and what his purposes for us are. We will never discover what those marvellous and wondrous discoveries of God might be. Lord, you said, take nothing for the journey. What did you mean? Did you mean trust or did you mean more? than trust? Did you 
perhaps imply that we can't wait until we have all the possible things we need, that we can't postpone doing until we are positive of our talents, that we can't hold off our commitment until we are absolutely sure that we won't make a mistake. I think of all the excuses and the reasons that we give for not serving and not giving, for not seeking you, not loving you enough. We say no time, no talent, no knowledge, no energy, no assured results. But in reply, you say, take nothing. Don't worry about your inadequacies. I will provide for you. Go, just go, go in my power. Risk the road, risk the work. Go, I will go with you. What else do you need? God.
content in this podcast is adapted from recorded Zoom services held by Teambridge Methodist Circuit Coastal Section. Full videos can be viewed on their YouTube channel. Music is taken from worship audio tracks, all rights reserved.